This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. This is Power 98.7. And now you're listening to Power Talk with Lerato Mbele. Weekdays, 9 a.m. to midday on Power 98.7. Taking your calls on 0861-987-000. It's 10 minutes past the hour of 10 o'clock. And today we're going to discuss you know, what it takes to stabilize local government coalitions, uh, ultimately. But we're going to look at this one mechanism called the motion of no confidence because we're seeing this motion being triggered quite often where people are unhappy with an individual or a situation as it stands. And, you know, in the National Assembly, at a national at, at a national level, um, it's provided for in Section 102 of the Constitution, and it outlines the processes for motions against the president or a cabinet to be pursued. Uh, in a provincial government, um, there is a provision in Section 141, um, and again, it tells you what you need to do when you know there is a loss in confidence in the Premier and the Executive Council. But at local government level, uh, it's part of the council's standing rules and orders uh, as written into the Municipal Structures Act. And so perhaps it's a little more fluid and subject to interpretation. And maybe that's why um, there is so much uncertainty, instability within municipalities. And I know that our power listeners were suggesting to us this morning how people could go about it is make it difficult to trigger a motion of no confidence so that by the time you actually get there, you have motivated legally, uh, procedurally, and in terms of the evidence on the ground of non-service delivery before you just embark on it. It can't just be willy-nilly Uh, A good day, a bad day, the sun's out, the sun's not out, I like you, I don't like you. It can't be the basis upon which some of these things are done. But maybe it isn't that frivolous. So let's hear what the experts have to say. We're joined by Dr. Tim Mage, who's a local government expert. And we also have Professor Nziguelelo Breakfast, a political analyst and a lecturer at the Nelson Mandela University. Professor Breakfast, good morning. Professor Nsigelelo, good morning. Okay, that line is patchy out there in the Eastern Cape. Dr. Tim Mage, good morning. Good morning, Oslerato, and good morning to the listeners of Power FM. And we're aware that you can only be with us for a short time before you have to get into a meeting, so perhaps it's appropriate we start with you. Um, Motions of no confidence at local council level, are they being abused? Look, the, the long and short of it is that they have been abused, and excessively so, uh, because the word abuse would be an understatement. Uh, if you look at what has been happening throughout the country, specifically in your bigger metros, in your bigger municipalities, which we normally refer to as the metros, this has been excessively abused, and, and that in itself, it's, it undermines you know, the... Uh, the founding provisions of the constitution, which 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 mm. uh, revolves around the values of the constitution, specifically having to remind us that uh, we we definitely have to make sure that we we observe the human dignity 
you know, and, and the current state of affairs seems to be undermining that key value of the Constitution. How, how, how does it do so? Whose dignity is impaired or impugned when you trigger a motion of no confidence? In this instance, the motion of confidence in themselves, as you would have seen, mm. they are disruptive in terms of the uh, the, the provision of uh, sustainable basic services to the communities as okay. uh, required by Section 152 of the Constitution. So in this case, yeah. uh, some of these municipalities were unable to pass adjustment budgets because of the fact that they were not agree or because they were in a process to want to remove a mayor. And in that instance, the municipality is not going to provide a, you know, human dignity to the communities by way of making sure that communities do get the services that they have been promised mm. that they are going to get. Okay, so this is not even about the councillor. This is about the community that's left wondering when the municipalities are in disarray and the services aren't being provided. It's They are forgetting the core purpose of existence, which is the people and service to the people. I think you're quite, you're quite right, Lerato, because you see, the, the the fundamental principle that we should not uh, forget is that uh, the the South Africa, it's, it's, a, it's a unitary state, mm. and being a unitary state is made up of the spheres of government, which is the national, provincial, and the local sphere mm. of government, and all of them. Uh, the constitution requires them to be loyal to the constitution, mm. the republic, and its people. Yeah. And that loyalty simply means that it can't be about themselves as individuals. It can't be about themselves as uh, representatives of political parties. Mm. It has to be about the community. And in this case, these infightings, these insta- political instability in yeah. municipalities, yeah. it is not helping them to remain loyal to the constitution, yeah. to the republic, and the people at large. This is so beautifully expressed what constitutionality means. You know, it's not just the legalese, it is the commitment to the people you serve. Uh, it, it was so beautifully expressed. Okay, so let's go back to the technicalities here because, you know, we've seen at National Assembly level um, motions being put forward to the Speaker of the House to consider a motion of no confidence. And if my memory serves me well, former President Jacob Zuma um, was faced with eight such motions being presented to the Speaker. Not all of them were heard and none of them were passed, but it has happened at National Assembly level and there are provisos as you how, how to go about it. What makes it different at municipality level? Because it's said to be within the rules of council, the council standing rules, but, you know, we are here talking about um, councillors abusing the process. So what? How, how is this supposed to be regulated? Look, Lerato, let me just remind you that, uh, uh, as I said, that we have the this, this, this spheres of government. But what is important, all these spheres of government are supposed to observe Section 2 of the Constitution, which is the supremacy of the Constitution. In this regard, what does it say? It's the Constitution says that the Constitution is the supreme law of the of the Republic and law or conduct which is inconsistent with it is invalid and the obligations that are imposed on it uh, must be fulfilled. What what does that mean? Mm. Any policy that uh, the the municipal council has to pass, it must be consistent with the provisions of the law. Mm. And in this case if you look at the the, the, the standard standing orders 
uh, you realize that there's a gap that seeks to forget the importance of the people, that the people who are in those municipalities, mm-hmm. when they make those standing rules, they should be watertight to a sense that uh, they should not allow for any abuse. Because if you look at it, we, we have, it has become a norm that uh, we can't go three months without any of the cities contemplating, mm. you know, a motion of confidence against any particular person. Mm. And that is precisely because there's a gap, there's a loophole that allows or enables them to use those standing rules in a manner that does not promote the, the upholding of the, mm. of the Constitution. So in that instance, what needs to be looked at, one needs to begin to ask himself the question as to, the adequacy, the effectiveness of the rules of uh, uh, law of the various municipal councils. Yeah. Because if, 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 if you get to see a situation of this nature, it has got far-reaching implications right. in undermining the provisions of the constitution. But, but at the same time, uh, on a bigger scheme of things, it, it creates an environment that is not conducive to attract yeah. investors in that, in that particular space. Because... Any unstable governance threatens any potential partnerships that we might have. Yeah. Okay, so you're raising quite a few things. Let me just start with the one, and that is tightening the rules in the form of a bill. Um, Some people have said, you know what, what needs to happen is once parties agree to enter into a coalition, it needs to be um, legally or it needs to be legalized in the form of a treaty or a contract of sorts so that that arrangement is legally binding in the absence of an actual law that um, would govern that constitution like a bill. Look, there are two people tend to think that uh, there are no provisions made to mm. regulate such a conduct. And I think one of the aspects that we might need to remind the listeners is that if you read Section 1, uh, subsection D of the Constitution, mm. it talks about a multi-party system of a democratic government. Already, it says to you, all the various parties that will be in government must seek to work together. They must seek to be able to make sure that there is an understanding uh, within and amongst themselves. The mm. Constitution does not talk of making arrangements. Because we should not confuse the, the, the what is currently happening with an instance where it, these are not uh, uh, issues where they, we are trying to look at coalition, but we are using or abusing the word coalition government. Because if you look at how these are, are happening, yeah. these are just arrangements. And these arrangements, under which conditions have been, have they been made? They are made in such a condition that it's more about the interest of individuals or mm. specific groupings within the municipal council. Yeah. Um, and and, and one, one needs to be very careful to try and confuse these arrangements with the provisions of the law, because in terms of the provisions of the law, yeah. political parties are required to work together. Political parties have been working together. Yeah. But we have a situation in this case that there is no political party that has got the outright majority. Mm. Now, the provisions of the constitution still needs to be observed by making sure that there is cooperation, understanding amongst themselves. But what we see is that mm. Lerato will say, I can work with you, Dr. Tim, if you give me this position. Yeah. So that is outside of the spirit of the constitution. And th- those are the kind of things right. that as a society we need to be wide awake to.
Okay, but obviously this is still a democracy in the making, right? Um, of course. Or, you know, so almost 30 years of a democracy in South Africa. There will obviously always be teething problem, problems and lessons to learn as the, as the democracy matures. And when South Africa became this country and the constitution was drafted, you know, I think there was just a basic assumption that the multi-party system would work is that everybody would go out and gather their numbers and you'd have sufficient numbers to drive a policy and 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 um legislation in the national assembly and at the local level so i don't think people had imagined a future of coalitions but here we are it's untested uncharted waters and this is why it's becoming so complex and i think you know even though there is the spirit of the constitution clearly political parties of whom none have a majority, are all horse trading and wrestling for positions. So surely this must be some kind of a legal instrument that can be triggered to force them to work well, not just to to hope that they will defer to the constitution, but to force them, a stick that forces them to do the right thing. You see, the, the point that you've just raised then uh, reflects on the political maturity in, in the country. As you correctly stated that, no one ever anticipated a situation where there will be any, uh, uh, no outright majority of mm. a political party. But to, to show that it, it is also an issue about political maturity, day in, day out, Oslerato, we, we see political parties uh, formed. And when you try and listen and look at what are the basic reasons why they are formed, in certain instances, some of those are formed because the various individuals were disgruntled with the manner in which things have been done where mm. they belonged. And as a result, it, it creates that kind of a space which any other person can really step in. But at the end mm. of the day, the people who suffer most are the society, are the community. Uh, whatever happens mm. in government, at the end of the day, me and you are the ones who yes. bear the brunt Suffer. because service delivery gets disrupted. Okay, so there is another issue that came to the fore, um, and that was the status of the speaker in the city of Johannesburg. And the speaker basically would be the person who presides over these um, debates around uh, a motion of no confidence or any other matter within council. But when the speaker herself um, is subject to, you know, criticism, um, then what happens? You see, in those situations, under normal circumstances, you would know that immediately poses a danger or a threat of a conflict of interest. But which simply means that uh, you as an individual must also make a, you must have an opportunity to self-reflect. Mm. And, and, and and one of the uh, good things to do in order to ensure the credibility of the governance, the, the, there is nothing wrong that will preclude you from not recusing yourself from the proceedings wherein you are going to be a subject of discussion. Mm. Uh, and if you do that, you give the whole process credibility but remember, one of the things that we need to be mindful of is that the speaker may not necessarily be compelled uh, not to preside over that item because the speaker as the chair of the council also have got uh, the right for casting a deciding vote. But here, the principles of uh, a, a, a morality and ethical values comes in to say, hang on, these people are having an issue against me. Mm. Maybe there is something that I might have not done wrong. 
let me just allow them the space to deliberate on this matter without my mm-hmm. presence. And once this matter has been settled, if indeed uh, the, the, the majority has agreed that mm-hmm. I've done something wrong, I need to uh, uh, observe that decision and live by it. Okay. So that helps to make sure that right. you do not have a, a, a process which is left uh, uh, questionable. Right. And that's called for political maturity, as I said. Okay, yeah. I know you've got to leave one last question then. So there will be a vote that takes place next week for the election of a new mayor. We do know that there are dominant forces within these coalitions. The ANC is one dominant force. The DA is another dominant force. There are a few kingmakers in some of these stories. The EFA uh, the the PA and also Action SA and they will only work together if there's some sort of alignment. So what would be the advice that is given now is that we cannot afford further instability in the city of Johannesburg. We cannot afford to have big players not willing to work with others and we definitely cannot afford an executive mayor who's out of his or her depth. So what are the considerations that need to be made now by all of these role players? Oslerato, if all things were equal, the DA and the ANC could be the ones that would be leading a coalition government based on the numbers that they have. But because of the fact that the members are not loyal to the Constitution and the Republic and its people. They are loyal to their own political parties. That is the reason why all of them have taken a very negative stance to say, we shall not work with so-and-so. Where else, at the end of the day, we needed a, a, a stable government made up of those who have got the adequate numbers. And if, if that was to happen, Oslarat, you wouldn't be having these things called kingmakers or queenmakers. Mm-hmm. You'd be having a government that is constituted by those that have got the majority, but those mm-hmm. that have got the majority having to work with those that are regarded as minority parties in the municipal mm-hmm. councils. That was going to be a, a very helpful. But now you have two political parties who have got them at the larger numbers not prepared to work to, with each other. And what remains is that they would have to go and scrap the support from those small mm-hmm. political parties, which will still not make them to be mm-hmm. able to govern for the outright based on the fact that mm-hmm. they depends on the relations which they mm-hmm. have with those minority political parties. If today mm-hmm. my political party feels this other way, we can decide and say, no, we're not going to support you. Mm. And that's exactly what is happening. Mm. And it's just unfortunate. Okay. Thank you so much for your views, Dr. Tim Markey, reminding us that ultimately there's two very important variables in any coalition government. It is subscribing to the Constitution. It is the bedrock of everything that happens in South Africa. Uh, whatever you may feel of the Constitution, it really sets the moral, ethical, and legal tone of every single thing that a government should be doing in South Africa, irrespective of their ideological or partisan leanings. That's the first thing. The second thing is, at the local level in particular, is where government now has an interface with the people. It's, it's where the councillor knows your name and you know the councillor's name. And so service delivery becomes a fundamental pillar. This is really where the service delivery is taking place and should be taking place and where you can really measure bang for your buck what you pay for in rates and taxes and the quality of service you receive. And so 
anybody who enters local government should have these two things fundamentally foremost to mind. The law that informs the work that you do and the people for whom you render a service. And that should be your only consideration when you enter into a coalition arrangement is, can I trust Party X to help me advance my constitutional obligation and my responsibility to the community that I serve, the community I represent sitting on this council? And if the answer is no, then you don't enter into a coalition. If the answer is yes, then you do. And even if you have really different worldviews, your principal, principal preoccupation should be, can we put our differences aside in the interests of country? And in the interests of country is where the Constitution guides you. And that's really what we've heard today. You can use mechanisms like a vote of no confidence to uh, push aside people you don't agree with. And it's fine if, if there's you know, a woeful disregard of the Constitution and real incompetence. But it is not okay if you're triggering these mechanisms purely in the interests of jostling for positions and pursuing a very narrow, self-interested agenda. And I will go back to what Tapelo said at the beginning. Our Tapelo, Power 98.7, our listener. When the politicians fail us, Can somebody tell us what our recourse is? Because maybe the politicians have forgotten about the people, but we can remind them we are the people. There's no you without us. Time for the news. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.